Revolution, how are we? All right. So good to see you today. Hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving. I know, I know we did at our house, and I hope that, that happened for, for you as well. But we are about to transition from a, a Thanksgiving holiday to something that, that I love, and it's the preparation for Christmas. Now, my daughter, I'm gonna just go ahead and throw this out there. When it turns Halloween, I mean, it looks like Christmas exploded all over our house. Like there is Christmas trees and there is garland and there is stuff all over the place. And I'm like, whoa, whoa hold on a second. We gotta, we gotta do this in order. You know, I'm a, I'm a maybe on Thanksgiving afternoon kind of guy, maybe. And we can just, we can wait a little bit longer if we need to, right? I'm that kind, but my daughter, man, she wants to have everything, I mean, like, you know, like Christmas vacation, you know, the Griswolds, that's what she wants our house to look like, and I'm like, we gotta, we gotta step back. She is ready for Christmas. She, she wants everybody to know that, man, she is, she's transitioned into, into the Christmas season. The, th- the thing that we've gotta understand for us is that God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to step into this season in in preparation. So what we're gonna talk about today, even if you don't know, this is the first day of Advent. We are gonna talk about the preparation that God wants us to go through for the arrival, which is what Advent Advent means, the arrival. And we we prepare for things that are going to arrive, for, for something to come that has significance, and not only physical significance for us, but eternal significance. He wants us to look like the Griswolds, like, I mean, junk wrapped all around us, ready to go for his arrival. Not a date on a calendar, but the presence of a person, the very presence of God. We've got a lot of work to do today, so I hope you came prepared, because we've got a lot to go through today for us to transition, to start this season off, to wrap ourselves in preparation for what God wants to do with us over the next few weeks to prepare, not for a a day where we wake up and just open presents, not for a day where we just gather with our family, but for a day that we celebrate what God has done for us, the Messiah that has come, but it doesn't end there. He's coming back. You hear me, church? He is coming back again, and we wanna prepare for that as well. So before we go any further, we're gonna prepare. We're gonna pray that God would be with us today. He would speak to us. Pray with me, church. God, thank you for today, and I pray that your Holy Spirit moves in this place I pray that your word pierces our heart. God, I pray that we would leave this place changed, not the same, but God, wrapped in your truth, ready 
to start preparations for what you want to do in us, not just in a month of the year, but for the rest of our lives, God, I pray that, the, that your word would pierce us, change us, prepare us. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so as we get into this, we're gonna talk about a specific story in scripture that is part of the, the Christmas story that I think is so crucial for us to understand how we prepare. But the thing we have to understand, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this at just at the, at the jump of this whole thing, is that we prepare differently. As believers, when I say we, I'm talking about those who have trusted in Jesus, we prepare differently than those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. We prepare in a way that, that allows God to come in to our decision-making, into our pre preparedness. Because we understand what God is and what God can do. And the difference is, is that before Christ, we prepare with our own knowledge, with our own understanding, with what we can think and perceive, and maybe even our own experiences. But what we have to understand is after Christ, we prepare differently. Before Christ, we prepare ourselves based on our own knowledge and understanding. After Christ, God prepares us based on his knowledge and his understanding. And that's a dramatic shift for us. And that shift has to happen from the moment that we trust Christ. It, it has to happen because when we put our faith and trust in him, it's not about what we can do anymore. And our eyes get open to the truth <laughs> that our own understanding and our own knowledge is so limited. It's so limited. And I can prove it to you. Do you have a clue what's gonna happen in the next minute? No. Do you have, do you have a clue? Do I have a clue what's gonna happen in the very next second of my life? No. But we act and we, we posture ourselves, we position ourselves as though we know what's gonna happen 10 years from now, a year from now, generations from now. But in all our knowledge and all our experience, we can't even say with any confidence, hardly at all, what's gonna happen in the next second of my life. When we trust in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, we don't rely on our own finite ability anymore, but we step into the knowledge and understanding of an eternal God. And we put our faith and our trust in him and what he wants to do in the very next second, minute, hour, decade, generations. When we trust in Jesus, we put our faith in something different. I'm gonna prove it to you. Proverbs 3, I can't get through a message without 
Pulling out some Proverbs, sorry. Proverbs chapter three, five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Put your faith and trust in him. Put your faith and trust in God because he's the only one that you can really rely on anyways. We can't rely on ourselves to prepare. He even does the preparing. But we know that there are, there are two moments in life that we contend with all the time. Moments of preparing and moments of accomplishment. Moments that we are getting ready for whatever's coming at our way. And moments where we get to see that preparation come to fruition. It's the idea of Galatians chapter six that we reap what we sow. When we prepare, we get to see something come from that. But when we don't prepare, there's a different outcome normally from what our desire is. And today, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture that is so pivotal for us to understand how we prepare in God's economy. What God does in us to get us ready for something so significant <laughs> as a Messiah coming, as a Savior coming, because he came once into the world, but he wants to come to you, to me. That was his desire all along to restore a relationship and only he can do that. Today we're gonna look at just exactly how he does it. You ready? All right, come on. All right. Luke chapter one, we got a lot, of, a lot of verses to get through, but I, we can't get it all without the context of what's going on, it's really important. Luke chapter one, bar, starting in verse 26, we're gonna go through verse 55. If you got your Bible, uh, I want you to go ahead and pull that out. If you don't, obviously we're gonna have it on the screens for you to read as well. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is uh, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Let's stop there for a second. And we have to understand just this first verse is very important. There was a specific time. In the sixth month, this angel was sent from God. This is so cool and I don't want us to miss this. God says when it's time. God says when it's time. The nation of Israel had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, for a savior to come, and they had this certain just idea of what this Messiah would do. They were, they, I mean, they were in such anticipation for him to come. They were, they were waiting on him to show up and do specific things that they wanted him to do in their own nation on the earth. They wanted him to come so bad. 
But God says when it's time. God says when it's time. And his timing is perfect. And it was perfect then, and it's perfect now. And I wanna address something real quick because there are some of you that have been waiting for a really, really long time for something to happen. For something to change in you maybe. Maybe a struggle that you're, that you're dealing with. Maybe something you want to happen in your life. I want to remind you today. God knows this. He hasn't forgotten you or your circumstances or where you are, but I want you to hear me say this. God's timing is perfect. It is perfect. And when he says it's time, it's time. And God doesn't fail. When God says it's time, then that starts a chain of events that leads to the accomplishment that God is after and he does not stop and he does not not fail. Today, I want you to know, keep preparing. Don't stop preparing. For whatever God has started in you, things that maybe he has given you desires that he's placed in your heart and whatever that is. But trust in his timing. We got a lot more to go, y'all. Okay. Verse 27. Okay, I'll go back just so you get God, God to city, Galilee named Nazareth, 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Now, before we put this point up on the screens, I want you to understand something. The Lord started this. He started this whole chain of events because he said it was time. But he didn't just start it and it was hands off. And it says it right here, how important this is for us to know. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Even in our preparation, God starts it. God gets to start and say when it's time. But even as we are preparing for whatever God wants to do in us and through us, He's with us. You're writing, you're taking notes. I want you to write this down. God's presence precedes God's purpose. God's presence precedes God's purpose. He's there. He is a very present God, he is not hands off. He is present in in what he's doing. He's present in when he's doing it. He's present in how he's doing it, who he's doing it through, all of those things. He's present. Genesis 1, the best example. In the beginning, God, nothing else, 
his presence showed up first. His presence was there first before anything happened after that. God's presence precedes God's purpose. God is first. And if we get it in any other order, we're not gonna get God's outcome. And I'll be the first admit to admit, my first reaction sometimes when I'm prepare, preparing is to put myself first. And then, well, God, if you wanna come in too, that's cool. Whenever something in life I need to prepare for, when something is coming up that I need to get ready for, so many times I place myself in the first position. And I begin to rely on my own knowledge and my own experience and what I think and my own opinions and you know whatever, right? Who I am. And then when I begin to look at that, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I can accomplish that. There's no way I can get to this, this end point where there's something that, God, you have placed in me, but, but the accomplishing of it, I can't do. Aha, you're right. You can't. The title of the message today is Preparing for the Impossible. And when God calls us so many times, and really every time, I'm gonna go ahead and say every time. Every time God calls us into something, it's something that we cannot accomplish on our own. But it has to start with him first. Or we won't get the accomplishing that God set out in our life. Because he's first, his plan's always gonna be better. Again, we, we come back to putting our faith and trust in the one that can see the next second and minute, not our own finite ability. <laughs> I, I wanna put my faith and trust in God because he can plan out what's coming in the future that I can't even see, that I don't even know. I can't even predict. Because he's first, and he's last. He's at the end already. The thing is, is that Mary's life was on a certain trajectory at this point. She was going down a certain path. She was gonna be, you know, probably, she was about to be a wife. She was engaged. Her plans were probably to be a, a, a mother, to raise her kids, to love her family, all of those things, she was on a, a certain trajectory and, and not that these things weren't gonna happen, but, but God changed that trajectory in a very significant and huge way. So significant that you and I are talking about that over 2,000 years later. Could Mary have accomplished that on her own? No. God was preparing Mary for the impossible. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled 
at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And this is one of those what you talking about Willis kind of moments. Have you ever, have you ever seen that show, Different Strokes? Uh, it's hilarious. But this is one of those moments where, where Mary's like, hold on a second, what is, what's going on right now? What's happening? And this is a side note. As believers, as those who trust in Christ, we should have those moments. We should have those moments where we're out beyond ourselves, where we're out beyond what we can do, and <laughs> we look at God and say, what you talking about, Willis? Are you really... You're cool with me doing this. You've invited me into this? Okay, cool. We should have those moments. And if our life is so comfortable, hear me, church, I'm, I'm, open your ears for just a minute. If our life is so comfortable that we don't have those moments where we're standing Maybe in the, in the middle of a grocery store and God says, I want you to tell that person about me. Or maybe you've had a conflict with a family member for decades now and God says, I want you to go to them and I want you to fight for restoration. I want you to have a tough conversation with them. There's somebody in your life that has wronged you and hurt you, and God says, I want you to forgive. I want you to, to go to them, forgive them. I want you to love that person that drives you crazy. That when you say black, they say white. I want you to get on a plane and fly halfway across the world, and I want you to bring the gospel to an unreached people group, whatever it is, whatever it is, listen, God wants to do impossible things in you. He's with you. He's going to prepare you. He's not going to leave you, but he is going to ask you to do things that are impossible and are beyond you. And I want you to ask the question here in this place, am I so comfortable that I've never been called to do something difficult? I've, I've never felt my heart pound because I, I'm about to step into something I can't do on my own, that my own resources can't accomplish, that my own abilities and experience can't get done. I'm about to step into something impossible. all church, for us to feel that, to know that, is to know what God can do. Step into it. Press into it. Don't pull back from it. Push and see the strength and might of God. Sorry, that was just a side note. The thing about where Mary is at this point is that you can assume, you know, just by her reaction, 
She knows what's about to come. She knows, she knows the scripture. She knows what happened with, um, when Michael shows up to Joshua before he takes down Jericho. He knows um, when Gabriel shows up to Daniel and you know, all that stuff. She knows what's about to happen. This angel in front of her, she knows. And she's like, oh gosh, something bigs and significant is about to happen, but she doesn't know that it's the most significant thing. Time-splitting kind of stuff that's about to happen to her. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Okay, sure. <laughs> do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. One more time. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. No point in that. It's just good to say his name. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Woo. Praise God for that. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, our response right here is, is important. Because out of all of the responses, I mean, she could have said, well, I don't, I don't really believe you. And I need another sign. How many times in scripture have we seen that? I, God, I need you to prove it to me one more time. Just one more time. It's like my kids. You know, that just one more time, just one more time. And that's what, but Mary's, not, Mary's response is not that. And it, it is very significant, her response is in agreement, but just wanting understanding. Because on the flip side of this, <laughs> the angel goes to her well, her, uh, uh, Zachariah, her cousin, and says, well, no, listen, you know, listen, you know, your son is going to proceed, and then, you know, he gets, he gets his mouth shut because of his unbelief. That's not what happens here. Mary says, how are we going to do this? I'm, I am a virgin currently, and that doesn't, that doesn't work. How's this going to happen? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, will be the, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. When God's preparing you for something, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to get some clarity. God, I, wanna, I want you to prepare me well for this. I want to step into this with your knowledge and your understanding. Would you prepare me well? Based on this, <laughs> the Lord loves that response. That we step into his, his preparing with full confidence in him 
but desiring understanding. No problem. Ask questions. Proverbs tell us, tells us that kings wage war with many advisors. Ask questions. Ask God questions. Ask people around you. When God's preparing you to be a parent, find somebody around you that you want to be a parent like and say, hey, will you help me prepare? God loves that. When we're, when we're preparing for, for a new job and we know somebody that, that is, <laughs> is very disciplined and they've done well in their career, maybe in the same one, go to them. And you t- it takes a lot of humility. Go to them and say, listen, I want to prepare well. Will you help me? Yeah. God wants us to disciple to connect with each other under his word, under his banner, and say, I I believe God's calling me into this and I just wanna prepare well for it. Ask questions. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Really significant. I am the servant of the Lord. This is Mary's answer. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Second point today that I want you to write down is God's word should precede our actions. God's word should precede our actions. If we don't know God's word, if we don't know what God would say, how do we know how to proceed? How do we even know how to prepare to proceed to accomplish if we don't know God's word? There's a, there's a phrase that I, we, my, my wife and I use in our house all the time. What does God's word say? What does God's word say? That phrase should always be in our mind and on our tongue. As we go throughout the day and we, we encounter struggles, we encounter problems, we encounter issues that we need to overcome relationally with each other, struggles even in ourselves, sin that comes our way and tempts us, what we should go to very first is this phrase, what does God's word say? So many times we go to, how, how does that make me feel? Hmm, 
That's a dangerous phrase. That's a dangerous phrase. What we should say is, what does God's word say? Verse 39. In those days, Mary rose. After all this had happened, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. So Elizabeth was, was pregnant. Angel told her that. She went to Elizabeth, not knowing this ahead of time. Like she, did, she just went to Elizabeth, confirms this. So Mary's eyes wide open at this point. Oh, really? And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke directly to Mary. And here's the cool part. We haven't gotten to Pentecost yet, right? So when, when the Holy Spirit comes down, but the Holy Spirit, it says, was present with Mary, I mean, with, <laughs> with Elizabeth at this point. God's presence was there in that moment. God can do whatever he wants to. I just, that's what I wanna point out. He can do whatever he wants to. He can make happen what he wants to happen at any moment, at any time. He has no boundaries, he has no limits. And she says to her, blessed is she who believed, believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her with the Lord. Last point that I want you to hear today. God's ability to act is not dependent on our abilities. But our involvement does depend on our obedience. Take this scenario. What if the angel came to Mary, told her all this stuff of what was about to happen, and she said, ah, no thanks, I'm good. In that moment, do you think God would be like, oh my gosh, my plans are completely thwarted. I'm done. Oh my gosh, this whole thing that I had set out from the beginning of time is stopped. No. No. God would still have accomplished his plans. Do we know how? No. And I'm not gonna add to that. I don't know how he would have, but he would have. But because of Mary's obedience and even her preparation up to that point, 
She stepped into the moment that God had for her because of her obedience, her belief in who God was, her confidence in who God was and what he could do. He, she stepped into this moment and believed. I, I was gonna end this whole thing there, but I couldn't. I wanna read you this last part. Verse 46, we gotta be quick. And Mary said, this is her response. I want you to understand that. This is her response. After all this had happened, this is how she responds. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Woo! That's her response. Her confidence was not found in what she could do. Her confidence was found in God and God alone. Why? Why did she have so much faith and so much belief? This is so, I, I want you to get this. Man, I want you to get this. And I, I want you, everybody listen. Listen to this. This, is, this blew my mind. Verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. How did Mary know how did Mary have confidence? She's 13-ish. How did she know? She didn't have life experience that, that, that really showed what God could do in her life. How did she know? It was passed down from generation to generation. Hear me, church. She had people that loved her that spoke this to her. They let Mary borrow their faith until she could stand on a faith that was her own. She had people around her that, that proclaimed the greatness of God and what he could do and what he had done from generation to generation to generation. Church, I want you to hear me. God has a way of preparing us. But God is not just preparing us for moments. God is preparing us for generations. My job as a dad 
And like Pastor Jason's been talking about, it's, it's become real for us real quick. I have a 17-year-old daughter. I never stop thinking about preparation right now. And it is so real, and it probably should have been the moment she was born. But man, it's, it's become real, real right now. That's terrible, but it has. My job is to prepare my kids to lift up the name of Jesus in my home for them to know him. For them to hear how great he is and how much he loves them and to prepare them to stand on the faith that they will hold that again, they will get to pass on to their kids and their kids and their kids. Prepare. Get ready. God moves. He is on the move. He doesn't stop. But he is preparing me and he's preparing you just like he prepared Mary to birth something, for something new to come, to use us, to prepare generations for the impossible. Pray with me. Father, in this Advent season, as we start this today, prepare us. Prepare us for an arrival. Prepare us for something so significant we can't even conceive it. Something that you want to do that we can't even explain. Something only you can do. God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I pray today that there are those in this church that have, <laughs> their eyes have been opened. They have seen the truth of who you are. And they've seen the limits of who they are. And today they've come to a point of decision that they don't want to rely on their own limits anymore, but they want you to prepare them to get them ready to accomplish something in them that they could never do and to put their faith and trust in you to overcome their struggle, overcome their sin, overcome their heartache, even overcome their death. Today, if 
that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if that's you and you put your faith and trust in Jesus today to allow God to do what only he can do, I want you to pray this simple prayer. And it's simple. God, I put my faith and trust in what you and you alone can do. Thank you for Jesus and what he accomplished for me on the cross. I surrender my life to you. If you prayed that today, I want you to do something real simple. And we got men and women that are, that are walking around the room. They've got a gift that they wanna give you to, to help you take the next steps in preparation for what God wants to do. And that's to give you God's word. And if that's you and you said that prayer today and you trusted Christ for the first time, I want you to be as bold as you can and I want you to slip your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. For the rest of us and for those who just trusted Jesus, don't let this season just be another race to the 25th. Let it be moments of preparation, moments of, of practice, times of reflection and remembrance of how good God is so that when we get to the point on the 25th that we celebrate who God is and what God has done for us, that it's a party like no other. Because it's not just a physical celebration. It's not just a few hours. But it's a celebration in our soul for eternity. God, thank you who you are and what you and you alone can do. Prepare us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you, church.